0: You are listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene, online at bethanynaz.org. You know, last Sunday, um, I finished my sermon with a story. Do you remember how I finished my sermon last Sunday? Do you have any idea what I preached about last Sunday? (laughs) I talked about this band of souls brave band who were known as one-way missionaries a hundred years ago. And what earthly possessions they took with them to the mission field they packed in coffins. They bought one-way tickets and they said goodbye to everybody they knew and loved. They had died to themselves. Their coffins were packed. So, is that what Jesus requires of us? Is is that what Jesus expects of us as as we make a commitment to follow him? Dietrich Bonhoeffer in his Cost of Discipleship says, When Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. Bonhoeffer says, when Christ calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And so I open the Bible, and I read Jesus' words, and here's what I hear Jesus saying. If you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, then I must become what is most important in your life. I must become even more important than your own life. If if you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, then I have to be what is most important in your life. In fact, I have to be more important than your own life. That's what I read. And then then I I cannot read those words without, without feeling that Jesus is asking me, Okay, Rick, are you all in? And so let me, let me take you to the Gospel of Luke, chapter 14, verse 25, and let me take you to some of those words, okay? Luke, chapter 14, verse 25. I think I would understand this morning if somebody would say, um, really, the whole Bible, and, and this is what you're choosing to talk to us about today, don't you have anything that's lighter? Uh, don't you have a joke you could tell us, or maybe a good story that we could hear? Um, I think there's a time for everything um, it's not, it's not because the review went, well, now I'm going to really start preaching hard, okay? That's not my, my intention at all. But I do feel very drawn to this passage and feel very strongly that we should talk about this today. And so I believe that God is going to speak to somebody. And I believe that you're going to find that real life and real freedom is found here, not somewhere else. And so let me, let me share the Word of God with you this morning from Luke chapter 14 beginning with verse 25. So... <clears throat> Luke says at this point of Jesus' ministry, something is transpiring. And what is transpiring is that large crowds are beginning to follow Jesus. And so large crowds were traveling with Jesus. And so turning to them, here's what he said. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. If anyone comes to me and does not hate his father and mother and wife and children and brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. And whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And so the discourse that Jesus is using is common in Hebrew discourse uh you start with a preposition and then you illustrate the preposition and then you close again with a preposition so the preposition we have heard if you're not willing to take up your cross and follow me you can't be my disciple now here's the illustration here's the here's the illustration suppose one of you wants to build a tower and so won't you first sit down and estimate the cost to see if you have enough money to complete it for if you lay the foundation and you're not able to finish it, everyone who sees it will ridicule you, saying, this person began to build and wasn't able to finish. So here's another illustration. Or suppose a king is about to go to war against another king, so won't he first sit down and consider whether he is able with 10,000 men to oppose the one coming against him with 20,000? If he is not able, he will send a delegation while the other is still a long way off and will ask for terms of peace. In the same way, and here's the repeating of the preposition. In the same way, those of you who do not give up everything you have, those of you who do not give up everything you have, cannot be my disciples. What do you do with all of that? I I remember a guy coming to make an appointment with me. And he said, since you're my pastor, I think you're who I should talk to about what I'm feeling. He says to me, "I've I've been giving to the church for a couple of years now. I've been volunteering like you guys ask us to do. So I've been showing up and helping out said I don't know that you know it but there's some Saturdays I've been here as many as four hours working with sports and stuff and he said beyond that I've been trying to clean it up morally I've been living a better life than I've been living to this point ever but he said in light of all of that I've got some problems that I'm trying to get through and between you and me I think if I'm giving at the church and volunteering at the church and trying to kind of clean things up morally, I would think that he should be taking care of me. In other words, it's a mentality. If I scratch the back of God, don't you think God should scratch my back in return? So shouldn't there be like some kind of positive things coming if I'm doing all of these things? What he's really saying is, I would like to focus on the benefits of following Jesus. And I thought that if I made up my mind I was going to follow Jesus, that life should get easier. So why don't we talk about that for just a minute, because I do acknowledge that there are people who make a choice to live their lives in sin, and they also suffer the consequences of sin. That people who are living to honor Jesus do not suffer. And so probably every week of my life I will sit down with somebody who will talk to me about the consequences of sin that they are suffering I'm going through all of this because I've made these choices and now I'm paying the price and I realize that there are many of you sitting in front of me who do not understand that right now because you're living to honor God with your life and you're not suffering the consequences of sin and in that respect your life is easier but Jesus never said if you follow me your life is going to be easy never he never said, if you follow me, I'm going to make it easy. You know what he says? If you want to follow me, if you want to be my disciple, then you must pick up your cross. It might cost you your life. See, I don't, I don't completely get it because when I start reading this story, I read that large crowds are following Jesus. And hey, I'm a pastor of a church. Large crowds are always a positive thing. I think what we are naturally prone to do if large crowds come, we begin to say, how can we keep the large crowds coming? Not so with Jesus. Because it seems to me what Jesus is saying to the large crowd is, should all of you be here? Is this really what you want to do? Have you really considered this? Do you really want to follow me? You may never see your family again. How does that set? Are you ready to die with me? Do you still want to follow me? I was driving my car this week, and I was listening to a news channel, and there's a story on CNN about a Sudanese woman who was sentenced to death on Thursday. She was sentenced to death on Thursday because she refused to renounce her Christian faith. She was tried in a court that said, you are Muslim because your father was Muslim. She contends, my father left when I was six years old and I was raised by my mother who was Christian. And so she says, I was never Muslim. I am Christian. And they said, we disagree and we convict you of apostasy. Turning from your Muslim faith. And on top of that they said, we also convict you of adultery because you have married a Christian man... Sharia law does not even acknowledge a Christian man or a wedding or a vow to a Christian man. So in our minds, you've only been living in adultery and for that you'll receive 100 lashes. And so if you survive the 100 lashes, then we will take your life. 27 years old. All you got to do, listen to me, look at me in the eye. All you got to do is say He is not what is most important in your life. That's all you got to say. They will let you live. You can go back home to your baby and your husband and you can just go back to life. All you've got to say is He is not the most important thing in my life. That is all you've got to say. And they will let you live. And you'll have to Thursday to say it. And Thursday comes and goes and she says, I will not say it. Do you know who filed the complaint? Her brother. And so Jesus says, if you don't hate your father and mother and wife and children and brother and sister, and even your own life, you cannot be my disciple. So what what does that mean? Does that mean that Jesus is saying he wants us to hate our relatives? Am I supposed to start hating Annette and start hating Morgan and start hating my mom and my dad and my brother Terry and my sisters Linda and Darla? Is that what Jesus is saying? If that's what Jesus was saying it certainly would not be in harmony with everything else that Jesus said. What do we do with this vivid eastern language? What do you do with this? What do you do with this vivid Eastern language, more vivid than our minds can imagine? What do you do with this? What is Jesus saying to us? And it is very clear that Jesus is saying, there is no relationship in your life that can come before your relationship with me. There is no love in your life that can begin to compare to your deep love for me. We are on a whole other level. We are in a whole other category. Our relationship is different from any other relationship in your life. It doesn't surprise me that Jesus throws in your own life in that sentence. Because he knows there is someone that we are tempted to love more than we love our mother and our father. There is someone that we are tempted to love more than we love our wives and our children. There is someone that we are tempted to love more than we love our brothers and sisters. And that someone is me. Sometimes you grin when I say, I'm nuts about me, but I am. I'm always looking out for me. I'm always taking care of me. I'm always thinking of nice things I can do for me. And so you've got to love me, Jesus says, more than you love yourself. Sometimes when I read this, and I think about Jesus, I just kind of have this thing going on in my head where I'm like, is he trying to talk people out of following him? I mean, it almost sounds like it. If you want to follow me, then you've got to take up a cross. You might die. You might lose your life. If you want to follow me, you've got to get up, give up everything that you have. Is he trying to talk people into it or out of it? What is he trying to do? Is he that bad at recruiting? You know? Does he not get it? That if you want people to follow, there's got to be a better way to go about it than this? When I, was, when I was moving here two years ago, I remember God used a, a guy whose name is David Platt in helping me just work through and praying about, you know, coming here. And I remember, I remember one of the things that I read in David Platt's book called Radical, and he talked about this is what God does. He puts us in situations where we are completely inadequate because I was feeling and continue to feel inadequate to lead you as a church. And then, and then he does his work through us, and he gets all the glory, you know. I remember that being transformational in my prayer about coming here. I just said, I am not adequate to pastor this church. But he will work through me and he gets all the glory. But he tells a story about traveling across the country to attend a seminary. When he was very young and he says, I really went there to sit under a certain professor. And I was only there a few weeks when that professor says to me, would you like to go with me to a speaking engagement that I have to do? Well, I'd love to go with you, he said. So he goes with this mentor, this professor, to this speaking engagement. He says, when the professor stands up to preach at this large gathering, he says, My objective tonight is to try to talk you out of following Jesus. And Platt said, I thought, I can't believe he just said that. My objective tonight is I am going to attempt to talk you out of following Jesus. I'm going to tell you what you're in for if you go through with this. I'm going to tell you what this is going to cost you. And he said he preaches this great sermon. And then at the end he says, okay, everybody who still wants to follow Jesus, I want you to come here. Come down around the front. And he says, people just get up and they come down. And Platt says, I'm thinking, okay, I get this now. What you do is you tell them you're trying to talk them out of it. And then they all come, you know, to follow Jesus. So he says, a few weeks later, I go to speak at this youth event. And I get up and the first words out of my mouth, I have come here tonight to talk you out of following Jesus. He said, I could tell the people who organized the event were feeling a little restless with my statement. And I'm thinking to myself, it's okay, I got this. I've seen this done before. I've already been to seminary for a few weeks. And he said, I preach this sermon. And then I say, okay, everybody who wants to follow Jesus, come down and stand here. And he says, apparently, I was a little more successful than my mentor at talking people out of following Jesus. Because nobody came down. It almost seems to me, it almost seems to me that Jesus is trying to talk us out of this. Or is He just trying to to help us count the cost? Is He just challenging us to say, are you really good for this? Are you all in? Do you understand, if you want to be my disciple, if you want to follow me, then I have to become what is most important in your life. Can you do that? Are you wired for that? you handle that. Because the very next line is, you must take up your cross. You know what the cross represents? It's complete submission to the will of the Father. It's Jesus in the garden saying, not my will, but your will be done. It's complete submission to what God wants in my life. That's what it means to take up the cross. It is complete submission, even if it costs me my life. It's Miriam Yaya Abraham in the Sudan who has been sentenced to death. We um, came to you in October and we started talking about um, the Floyd Center. And I shared with you how excited I was about this after-school program that you've been a part of long before I came here. We have a full-time pastor who gives all of her energy to ministering to those children. 240, 50 kids show up every day from 3 to 6. And they spend three hours with us. And Andrea Mosshart is a pastor. That is her responsibility. That's who she pastors. And uh, we want those kids to see Jesus. We want them to know Jesus. The building has uh, experienced some uh, deferred uh, maintenance. And so just this week, I don't know if you noticed, they started working on the roof. And the uh, project is, is finally underway. And so we ask you to give money. If I would have given that speech that morning and, and asked you to participate in giving, and I didn't say anything to you about how much it would cost, you probably would come up to me afterwards and say, What kind of cost are we looking at? You you didn't mention how much money you need to raise. How much money do you need to raise? How how much is this rehab going to cost us? Has it been like evaluation? Is is it cheaper to build a new building or should we rehab that one? Or how much is it going to be? How much do we have to raise? Do we have enough? Should we start the project? And if my response to you was, well, I just assumed... That we would know how much it cost when we got finished. Your response probably in a gentle and loving way would have been, what are you, nuts? How do you even know if you should start it? And how do you control the pricing? And so it's the exact story that Jesus tells in illustrating the proposition. Which one of you would build the tower without first estimating the cost? To make sure that you had enough to finish the project because otherwise everybody would laugh at you and ridicule you and say, you didn't even figure out what it would cost? Do you know what following me cost? Unless you give up everything you have, you cannot be my disciple. Have you done the math? Can you do this? Or what king would go to war without first counting the cost, without first evaluating? Can can, can my army of 10,000 defeat his army of 20,000? Can you imagine soldiers retreating in battle? Why are you running back? What are you doing? Because they're shooting stuff at us. Well, didn't you do the evaluation and know they were going to shoot stuff at you? Didn't you determine whether or not you thought you could win the war before you started? Do you know what it costs to be my disciple unless you are willing to give up everything you have? You cannot be my disciple. Let me just just say to you something, okay? Um, When you think about Jesus, when you think about Jesus, okay... He is the Lord of Lords and the King of Kings. The Hebrew writer says that He is the radiance of God's glory. He is the exact representation of His being. Jesus is the resurrection. He is the way. He is the truth. He is the life. He is the Alpha and He is the Omega. He is the beginning and the end. And I say this in a lot of love, okay? But we have reduced Him to a poor little Savior who is begging us to accept Him into our hearts. And He doesn't need our acceptance. We need Him every second of our lives. And so what we have done is we have watered discipleship way down. And we have tried to mold Jesus into someone who is very palatable to us. Someone that fits into our lifestyle. I know what he said, but it's not what he meant. What he really means is he wants you to be happy. He wants life to be easy. He's okay with nominal commitment. And that's not the truth. The truth is, he is the guy with the cross on his back, and he turns to you, and he says, if you want to follow me, you'll have to pick up one of these two. It's not going to be easy. It's going to be worth it. So what do you say to all of that? Can you even grasp it? Because that's that's where I've been this week. Can, am I grasping the weight of this? Am I there? I want to be there. Here's what Jesus says to all of it. You ready? Jesus says, salt is good. That's the very next verse. In response to all of that, Jesus says next, salt is good. I think salt is good too. I can't decide if I like popcorn or if I like salt. I don't think I've ever eaten popcorn without salt. And I think the reason I keep reaching my hand back into the bag is because I want more salt instead of popcorn. I think it's the same with pretzels. I put salt on almost everything I eat before I taste it. Probably one day a doctor is going to say to me, you've eaten too much salt. Salt is good. Can I get a witness in the house? Salt is good. Love salt. But Jesus says if it loses its saltiness, it's not even good for the soil. It's not even good for manure. The essential quality of salt is saltiness. So what is he saying? What is the essential quality of a Christian? What is it? It is total commitment to Christ. It is coming to that place that says, you are what is most important in my life. There is not a relationship that begins to compete with you. If it cost me my life, I will follow you. I am willing to give everything I have to follow you. Are we going to sing I Have Decided? You want to come on up? You've probably been singing this song for years and years and years. We're probably singing it a little differently today. It comes from Northeast India, a guy who was converted to Christianity. And so he was challenged by the village chief to renounce his Christian faith. You know what he said? I have decided to follow Jesus. That was his response. They killed his wife And while he was being executed, he sung the words, the cross before me, the world behind me. And the chief became a follower of Jesus and many in the village because of his witness as martyr. And then a few years later, somebody puts those words to music and we have this... so you know that I just think we ought to pray I I think when God speaks to us we should respond we should say something and so this morning if you want to respond God is talking to you and you're saying Rick I don't know I'm, I'm sitting here asking myself the question what you've been asking yourself all week I'm all in Want to get on my knees and I just want to talk to the Father about it for a while. If you want to become a disciple or a follower of Jesus this morning, you can become a disciple or a follower of Jesus. Why do you think Jesus didn't just talk about the benefits and ignore the fine print of all the obligations? he's Jesus and he's truth and he knows that where we find freedom and life is here not taking an easy road this morning if you want to be prayed for for healing there will be a pastor here and there will be a pastor there and they would be glad to anoint you with oil and pray for you For any reason that you want to come and pray, you're welcome to do that today. Let's stand, okay? And let's sing this great commitment together. Behind you. God bless you. You are dismissed. You have been listening to a message from Bethany First Church of the Nazarene. Visit us online at bethanynaz.org.